people told me I couldn't do a lot of things. I feel like I'm the chosen one. Look at this. We created this. This didn't exist before we were here. All we are is proud and passionate. I love Toronto. I love this team. And we're going to the end. Nothing matters but winning. Welcome back to episode 84 of Rapsville Weekly. I'm your co-host, Gabriel Chelio, alongside... Adam Kasucci. And today we're going to be talking to you guys about the first round of the NBA playoffs. Um, we don't have a guest for this episode. This is our guest series, but we couldn't acquire one for this weekend as a little too short notice. We do have two guests lined up for the next two weeks, so stay tuned for that. And if you guys want to be guests, DM us on Instagram at Rapsville. R-A-P-Z-V-I-L-L-E. And on this episode, of course, please like and subscribe. Leave your comments down below. Um, let's just get into the first uh, series here because we made our predictions last episode, Adam. And yeah. one of the predictions I made was the Miami Heat versus the Milwaukee Bucks. I chose the Miami Heat. I knew that it'd be, uh, in my opinion, I thought it was going to be a good matchup. You know, Miami's a tough team. Um, a little bit of underdogs this year. They kind of fell really low but they do have some great players. They went to the NBA Finals last year, and I was horribly, horribly mistaken and let down. The Bucks swept them 4-0 very quick, and the thing that bothers me is that there was no fight. The first game is how I expected the series to go. If they got swept 4-0, so be it, but I expected every game, like the first game, where it was 109-107 and they went into OT, but the other three games... Literally were blowouts, 30-point losses and 20-point losses, just not even close, just complete destruction. And it's a huge letdown. Like, I don't know how Miami did this. Two nights below 100 points. I really didn't expect this. Um, and it was just, I think, a matter of inconsistency. Jimmy Butler, who was proven to be a star player last year and really carried them in the finals, a complete dog for their team, averaged about 15 points. Um, Duncan Robb showed up the first game. That's why it was so close. But the next three games, he had like 10 points or less. Same thing with Tyler Hero. Pretty much 10 points or less every game till the last game. Their supporting cast was not there. And those guys, Duncan Robb, Tyler Hero, two of their star young players, those guys really were X-factors in last year's playoffs. And this playoffs, they were nowhere to be found. And the one game, at least Duncan Robb, was having a great night. That was when they made it close. You could see that the impact he had on that game. When the other games, when he was silent, putting up two points... They had nothing. Even Drogic fell asleep the last two games, didn't provide enough support. Uh, Trevor Reza went scoreless two of the games. The other two games, he had about 10 points apiece. Even Kendrick Nunn, uh, kind of the same thing, only showing up in one game of the series. A lot of the guys just fell asleep, and I think they did not have enough supporting cast. No, yeah, I think you're right, Gabe, and I, I think the reasoning uh, towards that for the, the struggle of the Miami Heat guards is because of the, the newly acquired Drew Holiday. I think he has been the difference. If you look at his game status and just game by game, he's played great. He's given you 10 assists per game in almost each of the games except the first game. He's given you almost 20 points a game in, in two of the, two of the four. And he's given you that defensive effort, which the Bucks really did struggle. If you look at their other guards, they got Forbes, DiVincenzo. They don't got a lot of defensive presence. And when you look at Drew Holiday, he's the difference maker. You're going to get your numbers from Giannis. You're going to get your numbers usually from Middleton. Those guys will put up their numbers. But Drew Holiday, I think, is that X factor, that difference maker that really helped them win the series and make it a pushover. And we talked about it once the trade went through how big of a trade we thought this was. And we mentioned how he was underrated. And we mentioned how we thought it was a fantastic 
pickup because of his defensive ability on the floor. And now we're even seeing offensively him putting up great numbers, scoring the ball and assisting, plus the defensive presence he brings. Like there were some games this season me and Adam watched where we just saw him make every literally like every bucket in a in a couple plays or have an assist a steal. He'd somehow yeah. contribute to almost every play on the floor during certain stretches of the game. So he's a huge impact to that team. Great pickup. And I guess especially against a team like Miami, where you have strong guards, um, shooting threats, he has been very important to the series. Yeah, and I think that's all credit to the, the, the Milwaukee front office, really noticing that, really seeing an issue in, in their guards and have, trying to get a more uh, defensive-based squad. And yeah, and they plugged in, I think, the perfect guy for it. You, you still get your scoring, you still get your assist numbers, you just get better defense. And I think they did overpay with him. Uh, with the max contract, I think that is a bit too much. Um, but I do think that, that that's the guy to go for. I mean, he's already, he, he's proved it in the league, um, like tremendously. I think he's proved it with, with the Pelicans when he's been there. Uh, he's, he's done his part. He's done his part all over the league. He's been a great vet. Uh, to a lot of younger players in the league, so I think he was the right choice, and and credit to them. All right, next series, 76ers versus Wizards. We both had the 76ers winning this one, and it looks like we're going to be correct. Right now, they are up 3 nothing in these series, and it's looking like it's going to end soon. We honestly didn't expect anything different. Uh, tonight, there will be an opportunity for the 76ers to end the series. I think they're just a stronger team in general. Um, I believe in all three of those games, Bradley Beal put up pretty good numbers, Russell Westbrook sometimes shot quite poorly, but he did do a good job like facilitating, assisting, rebounding, kind of getting his you know usual almost triple-double stats. Um, and then Philly, they just had their guys playing well. Embiid, there's no stop for him. They're, what is Alex Len going to do against Joel Embiid? Uh, and then you also have other players that can work on the inside, like Simmons, and you have Harris who can do a bit of everything. I think there's no real stop for them. There's no real defense that Washington has that can do a number on Philly. There's no stopping them. And I think, you know, we all predicted this. Keep it simple. Yeah, we we really thought starting into this series, obviously, I picked the 76ers as well. Uh, there really is no stop to Embiid. Alex Len isn't going to be the answer to stopping Joel Embiid, and that's why he's got the numbers he has this series. I also think Russell Westbrook uh, isn't doing enough stats-wise. He looks like he is, but uh, the field goal percentage isn't uh, at par once again, and it's just a continuing trend for him. Beal has been doing, like you said, Gabe, has been doing the most. He's been scoring 30-plus every game, and it just shows that the team just doesn't have enough juice and enough firepower to beat the 76ers team. And I think they got a good mix here with, with Ben Simmons. They got Curry. They got the shooting. They got Danny Green, their wing player. And I think they got a good mix here. I think Tobias Harris has been the real big step-up game, don't you think? Yeah, Tobias Harris, his numbers are looking good, and I think that he is just in that position where you're kind of focused on Embiid, you're trying to double-team him, you got to watch Simmons, who's the ball handler, they're probably doing some pick-and-roll actions, Tobias Harris can go a little under the radar, and we know that he can score the ball quite well, um, and he can be that subtle killer, especially for trying to focus on the two tough matchups in Embiid and Simmons, I feel like you're going to forget about him, and he's still a tough guard when you think about it. So I think he's been a little bit of an X factor for them. Uh, and then one thing we wanted to talk about was, you know, with COVID kind of uh, getting better in the U.S., you know, vaccines rolling out, they've allowed fans to come back in. In the first couple of opportunities for fans to be in arenas in the playoffs, we've seen how hectic it has been. And a lot of people, the NBA specifically, the league, talking about how disrespectful they find it 
that fans are doing certain things on the court. We saw in the Wizards Philadelphia series while Westbrook was walking back to the locker room, uh, I believe it was with injury. Adam, he yeah. had an injury. He was walking yeah. back. Uh, a fan dumped like popcorn through the opening and it fell on him. And Westbrook, obviously completely outraged, you know, feeling disrespected, was trying to like jump out of the tunnel and like you know go after this fan. But obviously security, whoever was with him, personnel was holding him back. And that was just one instance. If you think about the other ones, uh, the Boston Celtics. Adam, you want to explain that incident? Yeah, a fan, I get everyone's excited to come back to games, but you got to respect the players. Like, you're not invincible if you're in the stands. I think it was maybe a 15 to 20-year-old kid, and uh, I think Kyrie Irving, I think it was before the game or halftime, uh, he was walking back into the tunnel, and then, <laughs> and then a fan uh, threw a water bottle uh, just straight right to the, the head of Kyrie Irving. Luckily, it missed. But just the fact that they're throwing items at players is just totally disrespectful. And and especially the Westbrook situation, I feel like it was worse for him because he was coming off with an injury. He was already upset. His team's losing 3 nothing in the series. Like, he's already he's already on edge. And then and then to have that happen, I think he just caused a big explosion. And it just, it really was an outburst. And Westbrook obviously exploded on the fan. And then Kyrie Irving and KD obviously saying the words and KD saying that's childish and, and a bunch of stuff. So I think it has to stop from the fans. I know they're excited to get back into games and, and to the arenas and cheer on their team, but that's just unacceptable, man. Yeah, exactly. And we already know that Westbrook is a bit of a temper. And on the Kyrie side of things, you got to think he's coming for his former team, they're versus the Celtics. Um, you know that the fans are going to be mad. They're going to boo him. But this is kind of unacceptable here. This fan is even facing assault and battery charges with a dangerous weapon because of the incident of throwing the water bottle. I believe once he threw it, he was like crying. Um, it was weird. He did get arrested for it. So clearly, you know, you got to watch your actions. They're going to have consequences to them. And that's clear in this case. And this isn't even all of them. We saw during the Knicks-Hawks series that a fan spit on Trey Young. And I believe he's been banned for life from the Garden. Uh, and that's when Durant put out a tweet saying, you know, like, F around until you get banned. Because you got to watch. Like, you can't be spitting on people when you're sitting courtside. And, you know, credit to Trey Young for not reacting, uh, keeping his cool, kind of leaning into the the evilness of being, uh, you know, the villain in this case versus the Knicks. Um, he didn't really do too much. He's not really, he doesn't really get aggravated like that doesn't show the fan too much respect. He kind of just laughed it off, especially with the chance, you know, Trey's balding. Like, the, the Garden is getting mean, man. First time in the playoffs since 2013. They're definitely using it to their advantage. Yeah, I, but I think that that's the worst one, to be honest. The spitting, like that, especially with the COVID thing going around there and just, like, having all those fans in the arena, the spitting, like, that's... That's like exactly what you don't want to promote, and and it happened. He spit on Trey Young. I don't think it landed on him, but I think it was Fifty Cent in the first row, and uh, and he said he felt the spit uh, come over his head. So yeah, that fan's banned for life, and it, all this stuff has just got to stop. We just got to cool down, fans, and, and that's it. Yeah, even Utah Jazz. They've banned three fans who were heckling John Morant's family at one of the games. Like, it's been almost every series there's been some incidents and there's been people banned. So it's just crazy to see the scenes of fans finally getting an opportunity to get some type of real life back, going to events like basketball games, and then doing stuff like this. It's um, kind of sad to think about it.
Okay, I think that's the uh, the heat of it out of the way. Actually, we get back to the series here. We were talking about Brooklyn-Boston, and looking into that series, Brooklyn leads 3-1. We both predicted Brooklyn to come out of it, and I think that's what's going to happen here. Um, already missing Jalen Brown, you see that Boston has already disadvantaged one of their other star players this season. Plus, last game, having Kemba Walker and Robert Williams sit out, um, huge disadvantage. Obviously, Tatum cannot do it alone. Um, he's putting up fantastic numbers. Last game, he put up 40. Almost every game, he's putting up 40, 50. But he can't do it alone. You're versing three superstars, and we're seeing the offensive juggernaut that Brooklyn can be. They've only played so many games together, but the games that they have, we've seen the damage in the past two games alone. Two of the players getting 40 bombs, and the other player, the other star getting maybe uh, 16, 20, 30 points plus uh, 15 assists. It's just hard to stop those three guys. Yeah, no, it's it, it's impossible. I really think this one is impossible uh, because of the, the amount of playoff experience uh, those three guys have. And then you add in Griffin, then you add in Joe Harris, uh, seasoned veterans that, that know what to do to win. And then you look at Boston side, obviously, with the injuries to Brown. That's a huge part of their team, their second-best score, in my opinion. And then Kemba Walker isn't producing as much as he should. I honestly feel, and then uh, and then you lose Robert Williams. That's another big one. Uh, I think that he's been playing well uh, with the blocks, and uh, yeah, and I think he's been giving them good minutes off the bench. So you have to insert Tristan Thompson into the lineup, and he hasn't really had his best season. And the Boston bench, I just don't think has enough firepower in scoring compared to the Brooklyn bench. And then if your starting lineup is already getting beaten by the Brooklyn lineup, uh, you're going to be losing the game. So you're getting beat by their bench and their starters, and that's the way it went this series. Yeah, it took Tatum a 50 bomb to win a game, and obviously he can't do that every night. Um, like, just think last game, a 40 bomb from Durant, almost 40 from Kyrie, at 23 points and like 18 assists from Harden. It's, it's impossible. We were talking about it. You have to guard three all-stars. One-on-one's already hard. If they're taking you down, you might have to throw a double team. You have two other all-stars then that can find their way to be wide open, which you definitely don't want. And once you're done guarding them three, you might have Joe Harris, the best shooter in the NBA, wide open in the corner. Or DeAndre Jordan or Claxton, like a huge big man in the paint just for an easy alley-oop dunk. It's like near impossible to fully contain offensively uh, in a seven-game series, that's for sure. So I think this one's going to be a wrap very soon, especially if the uh, Celtics still have to deal with injuries. Yep, and I think the impact of all those guys resting, Harden having the injury, Durant having the injury, um, Irving out for personal issues, and uh, uh, cough, cough, fake issues, but there's there's so much there's so much stuff going on with the with the Brooklyn team and I think that's helped them uh, all those injuries ha- having all those guys uh even though they were injured having all those guys uh, stay off the court I think they're more fresh than than for sure like like teams like the Lakers with LeBron James and Davis uh having having played through and trying to play through injuries I think it's it's more difficult so I think that the Nets are uh, are, are really uh, taking advantage of all that all that rest those three stars have uh, have given all right, um, let's move on to the next series, Adam. This one, Atlanta Hawks versus the Knicks. The Hawks are up 3-1 right now, and the Hawks were my prediction, but you went with the Knicks, and this could be maybe the one that you get wrong because I got the Heat right off the bat wrong, so let's see if you get this one wrong. What do you think the problem has been for the New York Knicks? Well, you, you want to look at the obvious problem. You go Julius Randle. This guy's shooting, I think, below 35% in the series. So he's not he's not playing his best basketball like he was during the season, and then the Knicks kind of really feed off of that. It's a one man show, 
But we have seen the step up of Derrick Rose, which has been really nice. Um, the bench has been all right. Burks, we've seen a couple explosions from him and quickly has been decent. I just don't think there's enough uh, star power in the starting lineup. I mean, Barrett putting up numbers, but again, on a low percentage. Uh, Bullock has kind of faded here in the playoffs. So I think it's just too hard to contain. I think Capella has has more skill than obviously Noel. If you if you go position by position, I think Atlanta is just a better team. But the reason I went with the Knicks is because of the hype, obviously, at MSG. I thought the team would, would be hyped to be in their first playoffs in a really, really long time. But that just doesn't seem the case. It just seems like they're falling apart right now, and Trey Young is capitalizing on his opportunity. Yeah, they are. They were looking like juggernauts at the end of the season, winning like game after game after game, really building on momentum and hype, plus the Madison Square Garden absolutely going crazy. It, it is the recipe for success. It just hasn't been working. And the reason I went with the Hawks is because I do think, in the end, the team basketball, the skill would come through because they are the all-around better team. You're looking at almost a, a fully healthy roster now um, for the most part. And you can see if it's not Capella and Trey I'm doing their inside game when Trey's dropping 30 a night. Um, you also have Bogdanovich, who can be a great shooter. You have Collins putting up numbers. And now you have Herter, Gallinari, two players that have played in the starting lineup quite a bit this season, coming off the bench now with Lou Williams as well. I feel like there's a lot of opportunity for scoring outputs, and I think they're just overall the better team, and that's why they're ahead. Okay, now we're going to get into the West side here. The Utah Jazz versus the Memphis Grizzlies. Both of us had Utah to win it, and Utah is up 2-1. I stand by my pick. I think Utah is the better team. It took um, John Morant's like 47-point night to take down Utah, and that was because they were without Donovan Mitchell. We've seen both games with Mitchell back. The Utah Jazz have been undefeated. So I think the recipe for success is they just needed Mitchell in that lineup, that second creator, that second guard, uh, really threat, uh, keeping Clarkson as that sixth man, um, the game that they play, I guess, with Mitchell Gobert, late-game scenarios as well. I think they just needed Mitchell on the floor. Overall, Utah Jazz is the better team. They have to be. They have to come out of this one. Um, but, you know, maybe if they if they lose a couple, if this goes to, like, six-game series, I'm going to question Utah's ability to make it all the way down the stretch to the finals, but I do think overall they are the better team, and they should come out of this one easily. Yeah, because we do also have to question Utah's ability to make it far, uh, just in general, because they have been uh, collapsing in the playoffs in previous years. But one guy I do want to talk about on Memphis is uh, Dylan Brooks, uh, the Canadian, um, from Father Henry Carr uh, in Ontario. I think he's been he's been the difference maker uh, in the series to keep uh, Memphis uh, in the series, uh, to, to not have been uh, a 3-0 series already. I think his, his defensive ability is great. And uh, I think he's been scoring at an insane rate. Like I don't, I didn't know he can score uh, this much. We obviously saw that that he can put up numbers in the regular season, but not to this level. I, I think he, he's just one of those guys that steps up to the big occasion, has no fear, and uh, he really steps up to guarding anyone. He's not scared of anyone. He'll switch on Gobert. He'll guard Mitchell. Very versatile guard. He's quick. He's strong. And I think this guy's going to become a really good player in the league. Yeah, he has been playing fantastic, especially when we saw the Golden State game. We saw what he can do for them. Um, they have sneakily good players, and if John Moran can find a way to do it, I'd be very impressed, but I think Utah should be, should be able to take them. Moving on to the next series, we have Phoenix Suns versus Lakers. This is where me and Adam split once again. I went with the Suns. He went with the Lakers, and the series is tied 2-2, so we don't know which way it's going to go yet. Phoenix took the first game, Lakers took the next two, and Phoenix just won the other night. Um, 
This one is close, honestly. I think that we've seen some tough basketball. Uh, Phoenix, I think one of their problems was they had Jay Crowder just not being able to perform for them. He's been a, a solid role piece all year. And in the playoffs this series, he's been uh, awful. He was shooting two for 20 from three. And then last game, he finally went three for eight. So he almost was around 50%. Um, I think that was a huge impact last game for them. I think they just really need their supporting cast. Because you know Chris Paul can bring it pretty much on almost all nights. Booker, it might be inefficient, uh, it depends, but he'll put up numbers most of the time. I think it's also that case of that supporting cast. And the other biggest factor, I think, is what will happen to Anthony Davis because he was out last game and Phoenix came out with the win. And right now he's listed out for game five. Yep, I really think it's it's all depending on LeBron's supporting cast here. I think Drummond hasn't done enough in the series uh, really to make a huge, huge impact that he needs to make. And then obviously with Davis's health situation here, uh, that's a huge, huge issue, and the Lakers really need to fix that up if he isn't able to play. I still think the Lakers will find a way to make it through. I don't think the Phoenix Suns, I think they're a great team. I just don't think they're ready yet uh, to make it through. I think Booker has scored on a tremendous level so far uh, in the four games, uh, but his percentages has dropped uh, as the series went on. And I've seen that that a trend in, in big games with Devin Booker. But Chris Paul... I do think he really does step up in these situations, and I think if the Phoenix Suns do somehow find a way out of this series, it's because of Chris Paul organizing the team and finding a way. Yeah, plus I'm going to give a shout-out. I think DeAndre Aiden has been playing great basketball, and I think Cameron Payne has been a interesting off the bench for them, a good piece. So I think, you know, that, that cast, they have to play team basketball. They all have to step up and play great for them to win. Um, LA, I feel like they're focused a lot on those three stars, and I think Davis could be a huge factor if he doesn't get it. Then again, you know, LeBron does conduct the NBA, like he makes things move. So if he's playing unreal basketball, there's always an opportunity. But for now, we're going to hold on to our picks, right, Adam? Yeah, I would hold on, and we need to see step ups from guys like THT, Taylor Horton Tucker, Cal Kuzma, Caruso. We've got to see more from these guys. They're the defending champs, uh, they've already won a championship. So they really got to step up in these big games and help out LeBron James. He can't be doing everything, and uh, and he's he's been a bit on the quiet side with the scoring, uh, but he's he's been assisting, he's been doing his usual self, and he's been making big defensive plays. So he can't be doing everything on both ends of the floor. He needs some help here, even Schroeder too. All right, next series: Denver versus Portland. Series tied to two. Me and Adam both selected Portland to win it, um, with the addition of Norman Powell. We really think that he'll add some experience to the team and scoring and uh, Denver without Jamal Murray. We just think that's the way things are going to swing. And it's close, you know, very close. Portland took the first game and the last, the second and third game went to Denver. Um, so obviously we're interested to see how this one goes. Damian Lillard has played, uh, you know, very good basketball for the first three games. Last game he was very quiet, but the first three games he put up big numbers. CJ McCollum supporting him. And I think game four, the reason they came out with that one was Norman Powell because it wasn't Dane. Uh, CJ was doing a bit, but I think Norm was stepping up the most. Um, so shout out to Norman Powell for taking that game for them. We just need to see you know, them just play their hearts out. It's going to be a tough series, obviously. Jokic is a tough guard. He makes their team incredible. You have hardworking guys, Campazzo. You got Gordon to watch out for. You know, They have pieces as well. So it's going to be a tough matchup, no doubt about it. But I do think Portland will take it in seven or six. Yep, I really think Portland is underrated this year. I think you look through one through five, you got guys who can score, McCullum, Lillard, Powell, Nurkic, Covington. All these guys can, can really score at will. 
so I, I I really think Portland will make it through this series. I think you got Nurkic as the defensive anchor to try to limit Jokic uh, to not having those crazy, crazy nights. And I think the Denver Nuggets just don't have the defensive abilities to stop Lillard, McCollum, Powell uh, on the other end. So if Nuggets were to win the series, the guys who have, who have to step up obviously are MPJ and Aaron Gordon. They have to take their their game to a different level and be that secondary option for Nikola Jokic. MPJ has been playing great basketball this year. Don't get us wrong. So if anyone could do it, it's going to be him. Um, but I think it's just going to be a close one in general. We, we knew that going into this. And that brings us to the final series, which has a similar vibe. The Clippers versus Dallas. Um, the Clippers, you know, we always got faith in Kawhi. He turns it up in the playoffs like 99% of the time. So we knew that we think he's going to come out with this one. That's what we're betting on. Um, but we were shocked. Dallas took the first two games. And we were weary on what the Clippers were doing wrong. Was Pandemic P, uh, Paul George, coming back because he wasn't putting up, you know, the best numbers at some times. But he worked his way through it. And the Clippers ended up taking the last two games. So, Adam, what do you think the, the key is here for the Clippers to come out with this and hopefully make our predictions correct? For the Clippers, I mean, honestly, I don't understand why they're not playing Serge Ibaka. I guess coming off the back injury... But they're missing an inside paint presence. When you look at their team, they're sometimes playing Kawhi Leonard at the five and guarding Porzingis. I saw him guarding Porzingis for most of the game. And you can do that. Kawhi has the ability to do it and to play small ball. But I'm telling you, they need a big in order to make this team a a different team and put them over the edge. You got Ivica Zubac not playing his best basketball. You, You need a big who can stretch the floor. And that's Serge Ibaka. Serge Ibaka, if this guy steps up, he is the difference maker in the series, and he hasn't been doing it. They haven't been giving him much minutes. I don't know if he's game fit yet. He doesn't look game fit when he comes into the lineup, but I think he just has to step up, man. Without Serge, I don't think this this team can be a team like the Lakers or a team like the Suns or the Jazz. I just I just don't see it happening. And for the Mavericks side, I think Luka Doncic, he just has to keep on putting those magical nights up. Um, I mean, he did it for the first two games and, and continues to do it. But he just, uh, he needs his supporting cast to come out. Tim Hardaway Jr., another guy that really needs to consistently score. Uh, Porzingis has to be that second option. And, uh, we, I saw a meme on Instagram that said, like, Luka Doncic is like, is like the Kobe and Shaq and Porzingis isn't anything right now. So Luka Doncic is really carrying the load there. And, uh, yeah, I think for the Mavericks to win, I think it has to be Luka Doncic, 40 bombs every game with a high number of assists. Yeah. It's a Luka Doncic and Porzingis are like Kobe and Shaq, but Luka is Kobe and Shaq, and Porzingis is nothing. Um, yeah, Doncic carrying, really. First game, 30-point triple-double, and then the next two games, 39-7-7, 44-9-9. Those three games, obviously, they lost. The, the 44 game he had, they lost, but the first two, they won. He's putting up great numbers. The games that they won, you saw Tim Hardaway was a great scoring option for them and put up good numbers. That's why they came out with those two victories. Porzingis, I felt, has been quiet for most of this series. Um, really needs to step up if they want them to win. And the Clippers, you know, Kawhi and Paul George, as expected, when we played them, we know it's usually just them two doing everything. They've been putting up good numbers. Um, Paul, Paul George has been iffy. There's been points of the game where he starts off shooting like 0 for 5 and pandemic peace starts trending, but... In the end, he puts up decent numbers. I think that they just need some type of supporting cast because it's really just them two, and it becomes very simple basketball from there. Um, so hopefully they get more contributions, and Serge would be a great addition and help for them on the inside. 
Okay, I think that's pretty much it, guys. We've covered each of the series here. Um, let us know who you guys think will win each series and possibly who do you think will win the NBA championship in the end. We hope you enjoyed. Please like and subscribe. Um, if you want to be on the episodes, DM us on Instagram at Rapsville. And yeah, that's us signing out. Peace. You know, people don't really understand how obsessed I am with winning. It's not, I don't care about anything else.